Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. Cody, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Our Mizzou Tigers play at 12 p.m. tomorrow. I'm getting pretty nervous right now. Do you have anything else on your mind at the moment? No, man. Uh, going to Florida this weekend, so kind of just doing some last-minute shopping slash getting packed up for that. But, yeah, Mizzou at 12 o'clock tomorrow is definitely on the forefront of my mind. I went ahead and let everybody know that I'm going to be uh, working from home and uh, from 12 to about 2.30. Smart. Do not bother me. And if if Mizzou loses and I see on your bracket challenge you bet it you chose against Mizzou, just don't don't message me the rest of the day or the week, actually. Wait till I'm back from Florida. I'll be in a better mood. But let's go, Tigers. I hope they pull out a win. Uh, for the listeners today, we got a loaded NFL free agency show. We're just going to go ahead and get you up to speed on everything that you know we've kind of seen happen up until this point. We are recording this right before 8 p.m. on Wednesday evening. We're going to release this Friday morning. So if anything happens Thursday, Friday, anything like that, we'll react to that on our next football podcast probably sometime next week. Uh, but for now, Nick, I know I think we're going to go division by division here. Do you want to go ahead and take it away? Yeah, let's do it. we got a lot to get to, so we might as well not bury the lead here. We're going to go ahead and start in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons. They have been probably the most active team in free agency so far. One trade, a lot of signings, a couple re-signings that are of note. Uh, I think, again, uh, the main theme here is that we're going to go more by uh, general direction of the team rather than reacting to each signing or re-signing individually. So with that in mind, the Falcons, uh, a couple big re-signings along their offensive line, one of their strong points last year. So maybe the area they want to focus on, but I think it's just a reiteration of the, uh, the Arthur Smith model, which is just going to be, uh, you know, four yards in a cloud of dust, so to speak. From a fantasy perspective, I'm not sure I love it, especially for Kyle Pitts or Drake London dynasty owners. Uh, they paid one of their guards, Chris Lindstrom, one of the best in the business, but still a five year, $105 million deal for a guard is quite jarring. What do you think of the, uh, the Falcons moves so far? Yeah, I feel like that's an overpay to keep one of your players. You, know, you signed a free agency deal, a free agent deal for a player that you had in house, which is not not usually very good. You know, usually you see overpays in free agency because you're bidding against the rest of the market. Usually, if you like a player in house this much, you'll get a deal done before they could ever test free agency. So, I think from an organizational standpoint, that's a little bit kind of questionable. You'd think you'd have got this done mid season at some point, but. Oh, well, I mean, they got their guy. You know, Arthur Smith is going to want to run the football quite a bit. I think the Falcons really just come down to quarterback for me. Um, Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke lead me with zero confidence in your team basically for the next year. So no matter how many people you sign or how many people you pay, it's not going to matter until you have a at least a plan at quarterback. Um, I know Nick has been a fan of Lamar to the Falcons, and I think these moves – May uh, may tend to kind of lead lead us to believe the Falcons may be trying to make a move like that in the next couple of weeks. So uh, we'll see. I can't remember the Falcons draft pick. I believe they finished at like seven and nine, seven and ten, surprisingly, or something like that. Better than you would expect that they did. So I mean, they're probably not getting um, you know one of the top quarterbacks out of this draft and. I don't know. I, Desmond Ritter only played a couple games. I just didn't see enough out of him to lead me to believe these signings are going to put them into you know the playoff contention. Yeah, it seems like they might be uh, you know kind of stuck in the middle here with these moves, which is never where you want to be in the NFL. There's a few teams that we'll get to that kind of fall in this bucket. Another one in this division, I believe, that falls in this bucket and. Not a huge fan of that approach. Like you said, they signed Taylor Heineke as well, another one of their players they brought in, but seems like he's just kind of a veteran to push Desmond Ritter. I agree with you. I don't really see a franchise quarterback out of Desmond Ritter, so uh, I'm not a huge fan of the overall direction here from the Falcons. It seems like they are just trying to win next year and not trying to build for the long term at this point. They made a couple defensive signings, signings as well, uh, overpaying again, I believe, safety Jesse Bates from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. A pretty solid player, above average safety in this league, but four years, $64.02 million. He becomes the seventh highest paid safety in the history of the NFL. I'm not sure he's that good of a talent. They also signed uh, David Anyamata. He's a defensive tackle, three years, $35 million. Uh, again, a slight overpay, 
solid player, but just sort of a theme here for the Atlanta Falcons seems like they had to up the dollar amount to get these players to come in and they're trying to compete next year when they're really not ready to do that. So hope they, uh, you know, head in a different direction, but it seems like this is the way Arthur Smith wants to go. Don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Never a huge fan of that. Uh, any other thoughts on the Falcons? If they get Lamar, they're the favorite in the South though, right? Oh yeah. 100%. So it's not going to be, I feel like that, that's a competition there. I, I 100% agree with the points that you've made, which is why I just assume they have to be trying to make a splash at quarterback. And all the other kind of relatively so. bigger names are already kind of decided on where they're going to be. So, yeah, you don't – I mean, in free agency, you're going to overpay. But, like, again, like you said, there's no reason to just go overpay for a safety or a pass rusher unless you feel like you have a team that can win now. And with their quarterback situation, I just don't know how you can feel confident doing so. So – I feel like there's got to be a big move coming. If not, Falcons fans, I'm sorry. That's going to be a rough season for you. Yeah, uh, I, I can't agree more. really think they need to figure out the quarterback position before. I would I would personally rather figure out the quarterback position before you make all of these types of free agent moves, but uh, hopefully the Falcons can do it in the reverse order for their sake. Uh, let's move on to the rest of the division. We have about the same number of free agent signings <laughs> combined for the other three teams that we did for the Falcons. So that should tell you about how active they were for the Bucks. Really only uh, a couple here of note. They re-signed a couple of their defensive stalwarts, Jamel Dean, a cornerback to a pretty big deal, and Levante David, two of their better players. Uh, I'm okay with both of those deals from their perspective. Uh, the only other fantasy relevant signing I would say was Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal I think this kind of signals that Tampa Bay is hitting the reset button they're gonna let probably Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield battle it out because unless they you know go trade for Lamar or try to move up to the top four which seems improbable with their current capital seems like they're gonna let Baker and Kyle Trask battle it out and maybe just try to you know win five games next year and draft a quarterback in the, 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 the season after that which I actually don't hate from their perspective. So what do you think of the Bucks' direction? Yeah, if you want to lose games, Baker Mayfield is a uh, great <laughs> option to do that in the NFL. So not trying to take a shot, but just being completely honest, if you want to, if that's your game plan, I feel like go right ahead. And honestly, if you are the Bucks, if that's your game plan is you're going to have Baker Mayfield for this next year. I mean, Mike Evans needs to be on the trade block. Even Chris Godwin needs to be probably considered to be traded. So they have enough big names they can make some relatively decent, you know, trades this offseason and kind of recoup some draft picks. And, you know, it's usually pretty good. Usually when you go all in for a Super Bowl, you kind of lose your pieces and don't get much for from them. So, you know, Brady retiring, they know they have to reset, you know, sell off a little bit. Keep your stalwarts around. Jamel Dean, Levante David are both kind of, you know, pillars on their defense. So I like what they're doing. It's just I, I expect a little bit of a fire sale on some of their offensive weapons, which sucks for Baker because as of right now, he's probably excited to play with Mike Williams and Chris Godwin. Yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. And again, I, I prefer this type of direction rather than uh, the tack the Falcons are taking here. I think you go one way or the other. If you're the, the Bucks, you realize you need a reset. You know, sign a, a veteran quarterback to a one-year deal. Let him batter it out, battle it out with your second-round pick from a couple of years ago. If it doesn't work out, draft a new one in the top 10 next year. It just makes a lot of sense uh, to, to do it that way rather than, you know, trying to play the middle game here. Uh, so I'm a fan of what the Bucks are doing as well. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, they uh, – obviously the big move that they made that we already talked about was signing Derek Carr in free agency. They also added running back Jamal Williams on a three-year $12 million deal, really a two-year deal, but still a relatively sizable commitment to a running back that will be – a 1B at best with Alvin Kamara already in the fold. So I think this is just already reiterating what we have talked about with the Saints. They're kind of uh, – they're shooting for 9 and 8, and it doesn't seem like we're the biggest fans of that. So uh, it's not a bad contract in a vacuum, but not a deal that I would have made if I were the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, so I, I agree with you because we have the same view of the Saints. But if you're the Saints and you know – you feel like you have a winning team and you can make the playoffs. You know Alvin Kamara is probably going to be out six-ish games to start next season. Go get yourself a veteran sure. running back that can you know, fill in for those games and then play that 1B role when he comes back. So, yeah, if you're a we're-going-to-win-this-year team, I feel like this is a good move. So from what the Saints think they are, I think this is solid. But like you said, 
neither of us agree with being nine and nine and eight and you know making the playoffs in this division like it, it's not worth it bottom out and go find yourself the next guy as opposed to becoming one of the middling teams in the NFL so uh, yeah, kind of just an odd one there. Like I said, from my perspective, don't love it. From what the Saints think they are, I think it's a good deal for them. Yeah, we've kind of spoken our piece about the Saints at this point. Not much has changed with this move. It's an okay free agency signing. Um, you know, it's not going to kill them in the end. It's only $8 million guaranteed over three years. So not a, uh, a ton of – it's not going to be an unmovable deal for them. The last team in this division is the Carolina Panthers. They have also made their big move already, and we have talked about it. That was the trade up to one with the uh, Chicago Bears. They kind of made some auxiliary signings here to fill out the edges of their roster, uh, brought in Andy Dalton to presumably be the backup to whatever guy they bring in at one, brought in Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles to help with that running back rotation, then brought in safety Von Bell from the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't know if this changes much about uh, what I think about them. Miles Sanders could be a interesting fantasy asset because of the way that they structured their offense last year. Lots of running the ball, so could be uh, you know someone to keep an eye on from a fantasy perspective. But again, this is just going to come down to who they draft at one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're Miles Sanders, I think I saw his contract's going to be four years. I didn't see the money on it yet, but I hope you got the bag to go play for the Panthers because. Um, unless you see some kind of quick turnaround that the rest of the NFL is not expecting. That's going to be a large, large decrease from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles last year to the Panthers of next year. But uh, like I said, I mean, probably got a pretty decent bag. Andy Dalton's not a bad signing. He can see someone who can come fill in for games if your rookie gets injured or if you feel like your rookie needs to sit behind someone for a couple. So, yeah, I feel like the Panthers are doing what they can with, you know, limited, limited draft capital and, you know, just kind of probably overpaying for some pieces, but it is what it is for them. It's all about number one. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think you just, uh, you know, when you're in this this stage of the rebuild, you want your, you know, the edges of your roster to be filled out with quality veterans so you're not ruining your number one draft pick, but you also want some maneuverability when it comes time to actually compete. Seems like uh, the the Carolina Panthers are kind of trying to play that game. I cannot find any details about Sanders's deal, but yeah, he, he must have gotten a decent amount of money there to to jump from the Eagles to the the Panthers. That's quite a a contrast in overall team quality, but yeah. uh, we will see how it turns out for them. Let's move on to the NFC East here. Uh, we'll start out with those Eagles. Uh, I think for them, it's a lot more about who they've lost than who they have signed, to be honest with you. The only major player that they have brought in is running back Rashad Penny, presumably to replace Miles Sanders. Good luck with that. Uh, we'll see if he plays even half the games this year. That has obviously been the story of his career. Uh, Jason Kelsey did not retire. He returned on a one-year deal, as did Fletcher Cox. That news actually came in pretty recently, uh, right before the podcast started. They released Darius Slay. Uh, they're one of their cornerbacks, mostly a cap casualty there. Brought back uh, James Bradbury, but they lost a lot from their defense. I believe over half of their starters will not be returning from last year's team. This is kind of what we talked about with the Eagles. Uh, it's going to be tough to keep that Super Bowl roster together. And it uh, seems like they're just kind of having to hit the reset button a little bit. So what do you think of what uh, the Eagles have done so far? Oh, yeah, it's going to be rough. You also have to pay Jalen Hurts um, most likely this yep. offseason. That's going to kick in next year. So you had a little bit of an exodus. You're going to have a little bit more of an exodus most likely in you know the following year once Hurts' contract kicks in. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. They also lost a defensive lineman, Javon Hardgraves, which yep. was um, – I heard a podcast kind of talking about him, and apparently he was very highly touted in that locker room, one of the like leaders on the defense as well. So that's tough. I think Slay was also you know a leader on defense. So you know it's going to be a little bit rough. Um, they also retained Brandon Graham, I think. I, I believe he either restructured his deal or something Brandon. like that. So you know a little bit back and forth, which you're going to expect. But yeah, they're definitely losing some big pieces. I think Darius Slay. I mean, if he goes to a contender, they instantly get a bump up. I think. Um, and then Javon Hargrave going to the 49ers. I mean, their defense got better. That's even crazy. That's crazy to think about. So, um, yeah, Eagles are losing some key guys. I think it's just, you know, who are they able to replace them with in the draft? You know, you got the early pick. You got some other things. You know, you could trade back from 10 down a little bit if you need to. And, uh, 
you know, maybe recoup some of these some of these players that you're losing. So it's it's tough, but I think they have the right play, the right pieces in mind, play uh, right pieces in place, defensive line, offensive line, and their quarterback looks to be a superstar. So I think they're okay. Just a little worried. A lot of defensive names getting moved around. Yeah, I think their defense is probably going to take a step back, but in their mind, that's probably okay. I mean, they have you know an elite offensive uh, skill position group as well as offensive right. line, so they can stand to take a step back for a year, let their young guys uh, develop. As you said, they have quite a bit of draft capital to kind of replace some of these names. Seems like the Eagles are kind of looking towards the future, knowing that they have to pay, like you said, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, a few of their other guys. Dallas Goddard, I believe, needs a contract still, so... Lots of guys going to need to fit under that cap in years to come. Uh, they are mostly playing this pretty smart, in my opinion. Dallas Cowboys are the next team. Don't have too much to talk about here. There's not a ton they have been able to do. Again, another team that's pretty close to the cap. So uh, they released running back Ezekiel Elliott, and they traded for cornerback Stephon Gilmore, only a fifth-round pick coming back there. He's on the back end of his career and has uh, somewhat of a larger deal, I believe. So... Probably a reason the compensation is pretty low. Uh, not too much to talk about with the Cowboys uh, in regards to you know anything different that we have talked about before. So anything you want to add here? I guess maybe on Zeke leaving. I feel like that was kind of expected. Yeah, I think you you we texted about this today. You said an eleven million dollar um, cap relief. No brainer. Much, whatever. No yeah, brainer. You got to cut him. I mean, he's and we were even texting about him. I mean, he, if he gets picked up, and I mean, he will get picked up. But when it is, I mean, he's just going to be a, a third down hammer back and a goal line back. I mean, no one's picking him up to be anything more than that. So got to do that if you're the Cowboys. And then Stephon Gilmore, if this was three or four years ago, that would be an exciting move. I just don't know what he has left in the tank anymore. So simple as that for the Cowboys right now. They need to get a yeah, wide solid receiver. Veteran for get your wide receiver too. Yes. Once you do that, I'll be excited for you. Until that happens, I, I, I kind of just see you the same. Yeah, not too much to add on the Cowboys. Uh, the Giants, really only one big move that I could see worth talking about. That is trading for tight end Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders. Third round pick going back to Vegas. Again, another situation where the contract kind of hampered the overall return that was given there for Vegas. But... Uh, what do we think? Darren Waller to the Giants. Uh, they are starting to kind of round out the the weaponry for Daniel Jones. Uh, kind of hard to argue with. As long as he's on the field, he's a good player, a little injury prone. But, you know, every veteran is going to have their warts when it comes to that. No, a lot to pay for a backup tight end. Our boy Danny Bellinger, <laughs> he's going to be backing him up. But yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, you got to get, got to get him some weapons. I think Darren Waller is a good option. Basically, I think that was the Chiefs' third round pick that they sent to the Raiders for Darren Waller. So basically, they swapped out Tony for Waller. So uh, when you look at that trade back, I feel like the Giants are probably happy with that, as opposed to just taking a flyer on a third round draft pick. So um, yeah, you. I, I don't mind this at all for the Giants. You got to get receiving weapons. I think they also need to go out there and get another receiver or, or two. Oh yeah, maybe three even. So they have some more work to do. But at least at least this is a good receiving option for uh, Daniel Jones. And it also seemed like Waller was needing to get out of Vegas. I know I don't know if you saw, but like I guess he he had like a somewhat of a secret wedding mm-hmm. with Kelsey Plum, uh, WNBA star, and his coach leaked it. Then it was just like some like <laughs> social media back and forth kind of between the two, so it got real awkward real quick. So, um, and he he kind of had a bad season there anyway. So I feel like it, this might just be a nice refreshing start for Darren Waller, which you know sometimes you just need not only as you know maybe a dynasty owner owner of them, but just as an NFL player also. Yeah, usually in in the NFL world for dynasty especially, it's it's almost never a good thing when your skill position players move teams. But in this case, I think it could end up being a good thing. The Giants obviously don't throw the ball maybe quite as much as the Raiders do, but uh, not nearly as much competition for targets at least as of now. And uh, like you said, maybe just needing a reset from that coaching staff. So could be good for both sides here, especially for Darren Waller. We'll just have to see who the Giants add uh, throughout the rest of the offseason here. Last team in the NFC East is the Washington Commanders. Again, not a ton here. Signing uh, quality veteran backup Jacoby Brissett to presumably compete with Sam Howell for the starting quarterback job. They released running back J.D. McKissick. 
uh, going probably forward with the one-two punch of uh, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. And then they signed away a piece of the Chiefs offensive line, a good move to make considering how well they played in the Super Bowl. Andrew Wiley to a three-year deal for $24 million, solid contract there. Not too much to add for the Commanders. I'm okay with both the moves they made. And, uh, you know, releasing McKissick kind of makes sense. He's a 30-something running back. They have two quality options. Commanders, uh, again, another team sort of hitting the reset button. Yeah, McKissick also had like a weird injury to end his season last year also. So I don't even – I Yeah, that's right. I don't even know if he's actually even going to be playing football. So, I mean, if he's able to get re-signed and picked up, that'd be cool. But that was kind of expected. Wiley, I mean, we, not to make this about the Chiefs, I feel like that kind of hurts. Three years, $24 million for him, I don't think that is like overpaying for him necessarily. And I, I feel like he was a, a pretty solid offensive lineman, so good on the commanders for that. They also re-signed uh, Deron Payne, I believe is his name, uh, their yep. defensive lineman. Right. So uh, they got that deal done, so that's good. Commanders, I feel like they're always just going to have that gray cloud around them just because you just – you feel like they're going to have to sell the team at some point. You just never know when, and that's just kind of always circulating with them. So I feel like during free agency, they're a little bit hampered due to maybe some of Dan Schneider's, uh, you know, shenanigans that he brings. But I feel like they're making solid moves. Again, my only thing is, you know, Brissett and Sam Howe, that's who you're running out of quarterback, is a little questionable, but you got to make do with what you can. And, you know, if Brissett's either your backup or beats out Sam Howe, you know, he's proven to be a, a bridge starter, so not not the worst signing. Yeah, Taylor Heineke proved to be, again, slightly too good for them to be in position to draft a franchise quarterback this year. So uh, I think you kind of, you know, give Sam Howell his shot. If he flames out, then hopefully this year, you know, you don't claw to 8-9 and, and you can, you know, be in a position to maybe go, go grab your guy next year. But I'm okay with these signings from the commander's perspective. Let's go ahead and move on here to the NFC North. Uh, this division, kind of uh, back and forth with quiet and not quiet as far as the teams go. Let's start with the Vikings, the division winners last year. They are a little bit up against the cap. They did some restructuring with Kirk's contract and a few others to get themselves some room, but they didn't have a ton of maneuverability here. Kind of uh, reflected in the deals they made, signing basically one-year deals with both uh, their name Name brand guys, Marcus Davenport and Byron Murphy. Marcus Davenport, a defensive end from New Orleans. Byron Murphy, a cornerback from Arizona. Uh, both these guys, uh, high draft picks that kind of underachieved in their time and their original organization. So Vikings taking one-year flyers on these guys, it makes sense. Uh, they're going to have some more cap maneuverability next offseason, so that's kind of why they are uh, going with these high upside one-year deals hoping to strike gold, but then kind of, again, hitting the reset button after this year because they're a little bit strong by the cap this season. Yeah, I also think they're not going to re-up on Kirk Cousins' contract uh, after this one runs out. So. so I think, yeah, they're kind of just doing these one-year deals until they you know, have to basically do something with the quarterback position, whether it's make move off of Kirk or whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind it. They had to let go of so many defensive players and obviously a lot of like former just – Minnesota Vikings stalwarts. So, um, yeah, good to see them. I mean, honestly, I thought Byron Murphy was pretty good. I didn't know that he was kind of looked this down upon, uh, you know, at the cornerback position. Yeah, I guess he, yeah, he did have some injury. And then Davenport I always thought was pretty solid also. So I, I don't mind these at all for the Vikings. I feel like your, your issue here is that your defense was – so bad, I don't think just two is going to make up for it. We need to, like, nail a draft, nail a defensive draft for the Vikings for them to kind of start etching themselves into that upper echelon. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do in the draft, but this is, I think this is a solid start. Again, like you said, just for one-year flyers for guys. Yeah, Dalvin Cook currently in a lot of trade conversations as well. They released Adam Thielen uh, last week. Not sure if we ended up talking about that. That was a, an, another expected move, but they're kind of moving on from their old core to a degree. I think we'll see even more uh, you know, turnover next offseason when a lot of these contracts come off the books for the Vikings. Going to be a tough year for them with a first-place schedule and uh, a lot of the you know younger teams in their division getting better, so they might have to – look to next offseason to really hit the reset button. Let's go to another one of those young teams in their division, the Detroit Lions. I like what they did uh, for the most part here in free agency, signing a couple veteran cornerbacks, Cam Sutton from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Emmanuel Mosley 
from the San Francisco 49ers. Both of them are quality players. Mosley has had some injury trouble, but uh, they only got him on a one-year $6 million deal. So pretty risk-free uh, transaction from the Lions' point of view. Uh, I like both of those moves from the Lions' perspective. Do you want to react to those real quick before we get to the offensive side? I'll just reiterate, reiterate what you said. I think they're they're good signings. I feel like their defense, um, again, similar to the Vikings, has some other moves that they're going to be making this offseason, and I'm excited to see those, but off to a good start. Yeah, they needed help in the secondary. It makes all the sense in the world for them. Uh, the fantasy-relevant signing that we have here for the Lions is David Montgomery. Three-year, $18 million deal, $11 million guaranteed. Uh, it's, this is a Jamal Williams replacement here. I'm not a huge fan of the contract. It's not going to be an anchor again. It's only $11 million guaranteed over most likely two seasons there for David Montgomery. But uh, I think I would have just gone you know, late draft pick and or veteran free agent uh, one-year deal for the backup to, Devonta, to DeAndre Swift. But um, you know, I, I think this, this Lions organization is heading in the right direction in general. I just... Not a huge fan of paying running backs, especially 1B running backs, to, to multi-year deals. Is he the 1B? I, I think he'll get the Jay Willie role, so maybe he'll have more carries. But I think you know you want DeAndre Swift to be your playmaker in that backfield, so to speak. Uh, I don't know if David Montgomery is going to get 20 yeah. touches a game. right? Yeah, I don't know if either of them are going to really get that much work in each game. I feel like he's kind of just going to substitute right into that Jamal Williams role, and then it's going to be very well split. So... Uh, from a fantasy impact, I don't really like this for David Montgomery or DeAndre Swift. Uh, but on the Bears side of it, I know they had Khalil Herbert today, and they added Travis Homer. Is is that the running back core right now? Nothing else yet. Ooh, yep. they're be great for Herbert. No, nah, no, nah, they're they're getting Bijan Robinson. <laughs> that's that's possible i really hope not because i have my boy justin fields needs to be throwing the ball or running it himself but it is it's certainly on the table i, yeah. I will say that no but i think it, it could be really good for khalil herbert for david montgomery stock i don't like it very much lions overall i think it'll help their team it'll kind of maintain their running back core similar to what they had last year uh but fantasy not a fan as of right now the Packers have not really made that much in the way of free agency transactions. I think they're kind of waiting for their big shoe to drop in the Aaron Rodgers deal. Uh, so we're kind of just all waiting for that to happen. Seems like basically a foregone conclusion at this point. It's just going to be what compensation we have moving forward. So I think we'll uh, we'll wait till that trade actually happens to react to the fantasy aspects of it from the Packers side of things. And then the Bears, they've been pretty active. Uh, they had the most cap space coming into this offseason. I'm not the biggest fan of the moves they've made, signing two linebackers, two pretty rich deals, especially one, Tremaine Edmonds, four years, $72 million, $50 million guaranteed. The young linebacker, only 24 years old from the Bills, so we like that, targeting some young players in free agency. And then TJ Edwards from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, three years, $19.5 million. I, I don't mind either one of these contracts in a vacuum, but there are two inside linebackers that you're paying quite a bit of money to. I just I am not a huge fan of prioritizing that, that position from a, a cap perspective. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm a defensive-minded uh, individual. Obviously, as a fantasy guy, I, I focus most of my attention on the offensive side, but if I'm going to pay money, especially in free agency, I want to try and go get pass rushers, cornerbacks, uh, you know, typically guys that are going to be, you know, wide receivers. Yeah, skill guys like that. Usually linebackers, like, I mean, like, for instance, I see the Chiefs have one in Nick Bolton, and I can see the difference that a really good linebacker can make. But those are kind of more of like a dime a dozen. Like you see the you see the way that like Tampa Bay worked with their linebacker core. It was amazing. If they're not really good and they're just you know kind of middle of the pack, I feel like they you don't really see that big of a difference from one to the other. So uh, again, I'm not a big defensive guy. I could probably get clowned by some linebacking coach that could you know pick these guys apart in their differences. But I would just rather see money go to defensive line, cornerback, skill position as opposed to middle of the field defensive options. 
Yeah, and like you said, Nick Bolton is a great example there. Uh, they the Chiefs used a late second round pick on him, and they've gotten you know a fantastic inside linebacker for four years on a cheap deal. I think if you're a good team, those are the type of moves you have to make. So I would not be paying you know this much money to these type of guys. I'd rather be paying your offensive linemen to be you know really good. Those are the type of players that are harder to come by. Those are usually you know top 10, 15 picks when uh, you know you have a sure thing for offensive linemen. So I think that's where I'd be prioritizing my money if I'm the Bears. I really hope they do that in the draft. They did add one uh, one offensive lineman from the Titans, kind of more of a uh, rotational piece, though, not, not a cornerstone guy. So they definitely need to add in that position. Let's move on here to the NFC West, the last division in the NFC. The 49ers, the aforementioned 49ers, signed Javon Hargrave, adding to an already loaded defensive line. This does not seem fair. A four-year, $84 million deal, but only $40 million guaranteed. So this is really uh, most likely a two-year deal for Javon Hargrave. He is, I believe, 30 years old. So that makes sense from the 49ers' perspective. But uh, they have the best defense in the NFL. It's not very close. Javon Hargrave's an excellent player, and uh, this defense gets even better. Uh, it's, it's not fair. Yeah, and what's crazy is they have um, – I was listening to another podcast today, but they were talking about defensive linemen that have come in and out of uh, San Francisco. And they have so many good defensive linemen that they get these older guys, not even older, but some like lower-level guys like a Cleveland Farrell also just signed with the 49ers. Watching a year or two when he's leaving the 49ers, he's going to go get a contract somewhere else because he's going to be exactly. around Javon Hargrave and freaking Nick Bosa and uh, – whoever else they have on their defensive line, I'm forgetting, but just absolute elite players. And then you're getting one-on-one matchups on just about every single down. So as long as you are, you know, just slightly above average, you're going to get probably the highest sack count of your career. The 49ers are also, you know, we'll see what they do at the quarterback, but they have a loaded offense. So then this could be just in just a pass rushing dream for, you know, the a defensive player. So yeah, Javon Hargrave is also amazing. So great for them. Like you said, I don't really know how they keep doing it. Uh, sometimes it looks like the cap is not a real thing, but you know, eventually you have to pull a you know a ram situation and you know let the cap <laughs> rear its ugly head. It does happen eventually. Yeah, I think a lot of the time with the cap, uh, if you pay the right guys, the cap can be you. Know, you can navigate around it because you can backload deals uh, for elite players and you know convert. You can also trade them. Convert the cap money into signing bonuses, right? Yeah, but once you, you know, once you pay a player that doesn't pan out, then uh, then it becomes difficult. But from the 49ers' perspective, they did lose a lot around the edges. But like you said, they'll they'll be able to bring in veterans that will look a lot better than they do on other teams because of their elite players: Charvarius Ward, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave. Uh, they have a lot of elite pieces that make their, you know, average guys look much better than, uh, than average guys. So they'll be just fine. Uh, they also signed QB Sam Darnold to kind of stabilize the, the quarterback room. Uh, I think, you know, you could throw him in that offense. He'll average nine yards in attempts. It doesn't really matter that Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball. The Seattle Seahawks signed a couple defensive tackles. Makes sense. Pete Carroll, Big, uh, you know, in the trenches type of coach, and they were horrible against the run last year. They signed uh, from Denver, Jermont Jones, three years, fifty-one million, and defensive tackle Jerron Reed from the Packers to a more reasonable deal uh, than Jermont. But uh, both of these guys are good players. I think it makes a lot of sense. It was a big need for them, and they went and attacked it. So I, I think that's really all there is to it. For sure, I I love it for the Seahawks. Like I said, I think they're in a really good position as an organization right now. So. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do, especially with that first-round pick. That's that's very, very exciting right now for them. Yeah, that first-round pick's lining up to be a very valuable piece because uh, it seems like you know if they want to trade up to three, they can. Uh, not sure if the Cardinals would want to do business with them since it's in division, but either way, they're going to have their pick of any player they want that's not a quarterback on this board because my personal belief is that the first four picks are going to be four quarterbacks. And then uh, – you know, the C the Seahawks will get whoever they want, or they can trade back if somebody else has a you know a strong feeling about one of these players. Good spot for them. Uh, the Rams and the Cardinals did not do too much. The Rams, uh, as we kind of alluded to, is still very hamstrung by their cap situation, so not a ton in the way of major moves there. The Cardinals hitting the reset button with Jonathan Gannon. He brought over one of the starters from that Eagles defense, Kaiser White. 
but other than that, the Cardinals have not done a whole lot. Uh, again, another team picking third overall that should not be locking up veteran players to large free agent contracts right now. So it kind of makes sense. Any comments on the Rams or Cardinals? No, not really. The Rams are just kind of stuck with what they have, which isn't necessarily that bad. I mean, I know they're having to kind of fire sale some of their stars, but health. yeah, I guess got to get a little bit more depth and you got to get healthy with, with the superstars they have. And then on the Cardinals, I, I don't know with that third, third overall pick, I was kind of thinking they would just take Will Anderson and he would kind of help stabilize that defense, especially with their defensive head coach. But if they can trade back out of it, if someone wants that third quarterback that bad, I would I would do it 100% because I mean I would I would try and get as many draft picks and players as I can if I'm the Seahawks or the Cardinals because they they need to try to do a complete rebuild with an expensive NFL quarterback which is never easy so um, like 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 we said when the coach got hired didn't love it for him necessarily either just because it's it's just a bad situation so. No surprise they're not doing anything in free agency. Just if they could trade that third pick, I would trade down as many times as I could. Yeah, I think moving down from three to seven at the very least with the Raiders makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think they could pick up a couple extra draft picks and then maybe even trade down again, like you said, if they want to, wanted to go that route. But they'd still get a very, very quality player at seven if they went down uh, a couple spots and they'd pick up a couple draft picks in the process. Let's go ahead and move over to the AFC side here. We will start with the AFC South. Cody, your Jaguars went on a spending spree last offseason, so they have not really made any moves of note so far. Lost their offensive right tackle to your Chiefs. We'll get to that move later, but not a ton of moves uh, yet for the Jaguars. We're good down the here Titans. in Jacksonville. We got we got our squad. Yeah, they've got their core locked up. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 already locked in with their guys at this point. Probably add, uh, you know, maybe try to replace that offensive line in the draft. They have all their picks this year. They uh, they should be fine. The Tennessee Titans, uh, they've made a couple, you know, mid level moves. I would say signing offensive tackle Andre Dillard from the Eagles, uh, and then a couple uh, one piece from the. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers defense, Aziz Al-Shair, kind of a rotational linebacker for them. And then linebacker Arden Key, decent pass rusher, uh, three years, 21 million. They needed to focus on their defense. I think they probably need to focus a little bit more on the secondary. That was their biggest problem. But uh, Titans kind of adding along the edges of their roster here. I don't have too much to add. Uh, and I generally just trust Mike Brable. He's a pretty good coach, decision maker. So I think they'll they'll get this moving in the right direction, but they're in sort of a tough spot as well, stuck in the middle a bit with Ryan Tannehill, quarterback. What do you think of uh, the Titans? Oh, it's rough, man. The Titans are in a rough, rough, rough situation. Um, if I'm them, I don't know. I mean, do you just do you just have to run it back with Ryan Tannehill? I guess. I mean, you would like to try and find a way to upgrade a quarterback in the AFC, but I just don't know how you can without trying to completely bottom out. Honestly. You know, it's tough because you didn't – I mean, luckily these aren't – none of these are massive contracts. You're not, you know, guaranteeing a bunch of money anywhere. I, I wouldn't mind letting Malik Willis start for a full year and then try and get, you know, one of those top, you know, two picks next year in the draft and reset my franchise that way if I was Tennessee. Um, you know, because you know you have the right co coach, you know, and he, he has a good culture there, so you don't have to worry about it, you know, a tanking situation, but – I don't know. Titans are just in such that I hate being in that middle ground. And I hate talking about teams in that middle ground because I just repeat myself talking about quarterbacks. But it's kind of it's, – it's, I think, the worst place to be for an NFL team. Yeah, it seems like they've been kind of considering that as well. I've seen some Derrick Henry trade speculation, so you might be on to something there. I think it's possible that they uh, try to hit the reset button either this year or next offseason. Uh, but they are a little hamstrung by the cap at the moment as well. So this is all they could do to add to their roster. The Indianapolis Colts, also not really in a position to add a ton in free agency. They are picking fourth in this year's draft, presumably going to take a quarterback. And again, uh, Shane Steichen is hitting the reset button on this roster. They signed Samson Ebucom from the 49ers, a solid defensive end. Uh, but that's about it for them. Uh, they again. They, they need to draft their their young quarterback and move forward with the young roster they already have. Another 49er on a multi-year deal. 
like yep. it's crazy I, the podcast i was listening to they listed like five or six guys like within the past two years that have been 49ers defensive players to get multi-year deals leaving the 49ers so elsewhere yeah, yeah. it's just crazy and they're going to keep doing it because they still have those superstars around them so uh yeah good for the Colts I thought Ebucam Eb, uh, is pretty good he was on the Rams before the 49ers and he's always been pretty solid like he's always been around other really good pass rushers so we'll see if that changes anything but um I think he's a good signing yeah, solid signing for the Colts, but it's going to come down to who they drafted for for their overall outlook in this offseason. Uh, the last team in the AFC South is the Houston Texans. They have been kind of adding to the edges of their roster with some veterans. Uh, they signed Case Keenum to, to back up whatever guy they draft at number two, presumably. They signed uh, Sheldon Rankins, a defensive tackle, uh, formerly of the Jets. They signed Jimmy Ward, another 49ers player. I don't believe he got a multi-year deal, but still another player getting paid elsewhere from that 49ers defense. And then they traded for Shaq Mason, a solid guard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I think this is just uh, solid moves from the Texans. Again, not locking themselves into any large deals quite yet they're not quite there as a franchise but sort of just upgrading the edges of their roster for whatever number two guy comes in uh this year yeah i see the texans being um being san francisco light probably in about two years i wouldn't doubt if they have a few 49ers Uh, on that defense so um yeah no jimmy ward's actually a really good player so that's a good pickup for uh for the texans so yeah pretty solid moves again let's see who they get at number two i'm curious um yeah, I, I think all of them are all of them are good. Looking like Bryce Young. Yeah, yeah it is looking like Bryce that's Young. That's my bet at this moment. Well, with CJ Stroud going number one, which I get, but yeah. that's a little. I I don't know. I guess at number one, it's not a terrible pick, but I might have traded up to three if I was the Panthers. If I'm exactly, Stroud. we'll see who they end up picking. Exactly. Yeah, I I just. I didn't see the need to move up to number one there, but uh, <laughs> let's move on to the AFC East. Uh, Starting with the Bills, they have not done a ton in free agency so far. Resigned a couple of their defensive players. Signed guard Connor McGovern from the Dallas Cowboys, three years, $23 million. They needed to get a little stronger in the trenches. That was evident from their playoff loss to the Bengals. So I think they'll continue to add in that vein uh, throughout the rest of the offseason in the draft. But uh, the Bills are already a very solid team, obviously. They just kind of need to, again, fill out the edges of their roster. Yeah, absolutely. They are. I mean, I'm pretty sure they are tied for the second best odds to win the Super Bowl. So usually when you're in that position, you don't typically have too much uh, room to add a lot of free agents, especially when you sign Bob Miller to the contract you signed him to last year. So they're probably a little bit up against the cap, but a really good team, really good quarterback. They'll probably make, you know, a couple other little moves here and there, fill out the edges and they'll be right back competing for the AFC. The Dolphins, they brought back their uh, veteran running back tandem of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. So it seems like they're going to roll into next year with those guys as the uh, you know the main tandem in the backfield. And then they also brought in Mike White to presumably back up Tua. So I don't think this changes too much other than the fact that we know who the Dolphins running backs will be next year, uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson once again. So any thoughts on the Dolphins moves? Uh, I do not have too much to add here with the Dolphins move. I think they're both pretty good. Um, adding Mike White I find interesting. I think he's a little bit probably overvalued as a backup just based on the hype that he got in New York. But, I mean, I guess if Tua does happen to go out for multiple games, he's not the worst backup to have out there. But, um, yeah, I we're, we're going to get into our wide receiver episode, and the splits with and without Tua for the Dolphins is pretty surprising. So, uh, to upgrade the backup quarterback for position for them, I feel like it was really important. Mike White, you know, I wish they maybe would have gotten someone maybe a little bit higher quality with Tua's injury risk, but don't mind it at all. The Patriots signed veteran offensive tackle Riley Reef, and uh, today signed your Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal. <laughs> replacement for Jacoby Myers, who went to the Las Vegas Raiders, who we'll talk about later. Uh, the Patriots... They also spent quite a bit last offseason, so they didn't have a ton of room to do some uh, to do uh, you know a ton this this time around. But 
I don't have too much reaction. Juju is going to be completely fantasy irrelevant in a Patriots <laughs> uniform, in my opinion. And uh, that's about all there is to react to so far for the Patriots. So they're uh, they're looking like the fourth best team in this division. You know, after his little social media, like two little things he did, basically mocking the Eagles after they won the Super Bowl, I'm surprised he became a Patriot. <laughs> that, that honestly yeah. blows my mind a little bit. Weird but, fit. Um, yeah, very weird fit. You know, active social media guy goes to – you know, the most buttoned up, supposed to be the Bill most Belichick. buttoned yeah. up organization. Yeah. So odd fit Very there. Odd. I, I honestly, the the best part about this news is he will not be back with the Chiefs. We we got to get somebody at the wide receiver position because they're they're also going pretty quick. I was hoping we would go after Jacoby Myers, but uh, I'm happy it's not going to be Juju at least. And the last team in this division is the New York Jets. The only major addition they've made so far is signing wide receiver Alan Lazard. Big move. Obviously, of former Packers lore, four years, $44 million. Um, I, I think that's quite a bit. It's a Corey Davis replacement. I believe he will be released in the coming days. So, uh, actually, it's a slightly lesser cap hit, and Alan Lazard is a year younger. So, it makes sense from that perspective, but this is obviously a move to appease their most likely new quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Again, we will talk about that news when it officially drops, but uh, it seems like the Jets are moving in that direction. I don't really know if there's anything else to add until it actually happens. But, Dude, it's uh, Wednesday you know, night. In a vacuum, it's an okay NFL game. free agency has officially freaking started. Make up your mind. If like, like uh, this is what I don't – this is my issue with this situation, and I'm just going to go on an Aaron Rodgers tangent for just a second here is all week since Monday we've heard that deal is done and just we're waiting on Aaron Rodgers' decision. That's all that we've been, That's all we've heard. Aaron Rodgers goes on Pat McAfee, says, no, last Friday I said I want to go to the Jets. They just haven't worked out the compensation because the Packers wanted to get a little bit more or whatever. It's like we can't, like, what's actually happening here? Let's just get it done. Let's get it over with so both teams can move on with their offseason. Like, this should have been something that was put in place like two months ago. Like, that's how good quarterbacks and good teams make deals when they're going to go acquire someone like this. This is just this is just idiotic, and if you're the Jets, you're only doing it because now you have no other options. So you're basically stuck just catering to Aaron Rodgers. Mercedes Lewis is going to get signed in the next couple of days. So is Randall Cobb. I'm sure they're probably going to try and trade for Aaron Jones at some point. Who knows? Anything to go get your boy Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. So I just it's the most frustrating thing in sports to me right now. Yeah, it seems like the Packers and the Jets are kind of stuck with each other in that regard. Not sure there's going to be a ton of other takers for Rodgers at this point. Most other teams have kind of made their bed with their quarterback situation. So I think it'll end eventually get done, but it might get drawn out uh, for a bit here as they uh, you know, play a little bit of chicken with each other, that being the Jets and the Packers on the compensation. Let's go ahead and move over to the AFC North. Not a ton to talk about here, especially from the Bengals and Ravens' perspective. Bengals have not done much. Uh, seems like they are kind of looking forward to their upcoming deals for their three superstars on offense, that being Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. So uh, they have seen a purge of their defensive talent, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, uh, I believe an inside linebacker they lost as well. So this is just what happens to good teams, especially a team that has made a couple uh, deep runs into the postseason the past couple of years. Uh, we'll see if they end up making any moves, but seems like they're just loading up for uh, paying their stars. The Ravens, they are obviously waiting on the Lamar Jackson situation to work itself out, and uh, they probably don't have a ton of maneuverability anyway beyond that. So uh, any uh, thoughts on the Bengals or Ravens? Yeah, I just I think it's funny because uh, when there was the Jalen Ramsey news and other just other big name news, all I see on social media is how the Bengals have the cap space to go get these guys. Like they're not going to have to sign, you know, two of the biggest wide receiver contracts and the biggest quarterback contract at its time, most likely over the next twelve months. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. A, this doesn't surprise me at all. I just I kind of think that it's funny because I'm sure Bengals Twitter now is kind of freaking out after seeing all these teams, all these players leaving and uh, not very many people coming in for, for reinforcements. And then on the Ravens side, I mean, obviously I think we're all just kind of waiting to see what happens with Lamar. And I'm sure they are too, because they probably can't spend, you know, certain, certain money. Cause I'm sure they have a certain amount set aside for him. So uh, not, not too surprised with either of them right now. 
The Steelers brought in Patrick Peterson, presumably as a replacement for Cam Sutton, who they lost to the Detroit Lions. He seems like a solid player in the Steelers system. I'm sure he'll play well with uh, you know the other talent that's in the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially on the defensive side. They signed Cole Holcomb. He's a rotational inside linebacker. Uh, so the Steelers have not done a ton. They have uh, a lot of younger players on offense, so it seems like they're kind of locked into the core they have there, and uh, the rest of their additions will probably be made in the draft. I don't have a ton to add on the Steelers. Do you have anything that you'd like to, to put out there? No, I don't need to ramble on defensive players. I don't know very much about. It's all good. <laughs> the Browns, uh, they brought in a couple defensive guys as well. Uh, again, they're they're kind of the same. They, they're locked into their guys on the offensive side. They might add a receiver in the draft, but – they don't have a ton of cap space paying Deshaun what they are paying him, and uh, they have a few larger offensive line deals as well. But they signed Dalvin Tomlinson, a solid defensive tackle from uh, the Minnesota Vikings, and then they signed uh, Ogbania Okoronkwo. Ogbania Okoronkwo. I worked on that before we started here so I could nail that pronunciation. Thank you very much. Two solid additions to their defensive line, Dalvin Tomlinson to uh, to beef up the middle. They they were not great against the run last year. And then uh, Okoronkwo is replacing Jadavian Clowney opposite Miles Garrett. So the Browns, uh, again, adding to their defense. That was their biggest weakness last year along the defensive line. And uh, we'll see if they add to their uh, offense in the draft. Sounds good. Let's wrap this up with the AFC West, baby. Save the best for last, Cody. We're going to start out with your Kansas City Chiefs. They signed offensive tackle Jawan Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a younger player, only 25 years old. I like that part. Four years, $80 million, $60 million guaranteed. I don't love that part. I've seen some mixed reactions on this one. He's obviously a replacement for Orlando Brown Jr. They're going to most likely move Jawan Taylor to the left tackle spot. If it's me, I think I would have just ponied up and paid Orlando Brown, but uh, hard for me to make to or for to second guess this Chiefs organization. They've been pretty good over the last couple of years. Let me uh, pass it over to the resident Chiefs fan and let uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess I I whenever I saw your note about him switching to left tackle, I had to look it up because I I honestly had no idea that that's what their plan was for him. Um, and I don't necessarily love that for the pl- for that to be the plan. I mean, it's listening to offensive linemen just talk on different podcasts and on different platforms. It's it's never just e- as easy just to switch from one motion to just going the complete opposite way. I mean, it's footwork, it's weight distribution, it's what your hands are doing, all that kinds of stuff. So that's a little bit concerning to me. I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's a certain left tackle out there on the market that likes to wear number 77 that uh, Andrew Wiley freed up for him. So wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Lewan, a uh, little little name uh, change there, comes in, he plays left tackle, Jawan Taylor goes back over to right tackle. I, I feel like there's going to be something like that that happens. Maybe not Taylor Lewan, just some other kind of veteran left tackle. Jawan's going to go back. I, I feel like that's maybe just a little bit of smoke and mirrors, maybe trying to get a contract done, uh, but just, you know, needing to needing a little bit of leverage to finalize something. Yeah, we'll see if they end up making any other moves. I will say on a positive side for the Chiefs, Orlando Brown was a right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens before he was brought over to the Chiefs, made a left tackle, and that went very well. He wanted to be a left tackle, side. though. Although, right, Orlando Brown had a, had a much higher pedigree coming in, yeah. and uh, that was kind of an expected switch. He was a left tackle coming into the league. So we'll see if it works out for them. Um, I think this this offensive line uh, reshuffling might end up being the biggest story in the offseason for the Chiefs. Uh, that could end up, you know, I think that is that is the biggest strength of their team, in my opinion. So if it does not stay that way, could be a big game changer for them. The Los Angeles Chargers have not done a ton, signed uh, veteran linebacker Eric Kendricks. The biggest story out of Chargers land and maybe in Cody's fantasy team is Austin Eckler. He has been given permission to seek a trade. What do you think of the odds that he moves on this offseason? In my fantasy land, this is 0% chances of moving. I don't know what in the world you are thinking about doing right now, Austin Eckler. I... This is just, I get, like, when he looks at what he has produced and what he has made, he thinks he's worth X amount of dollars. Take Justin Herbert away from you, man. Go play with a lower-level quarterback that's not throwing you upwards of 10 touchdowns every single year. 
Like it's it's not going to be the same. This is what happens. I just don't like that. You know, your credit, your your success is kind of your own failure. Is and you're just looking at what you should get paid based on what you produce, as opposed to how you produced it. So, I mean, if he gets traded, I mean, if he goes to somewhere like the Eagles where they have a Jalen Hurts or which, I mean, I don't know how that would work and with their cap situation. But that's what I mean. If he goes to a team like that, he's not going to see the same kind of production. No matter what kind of contract he gets, he's probably not living up to it. I'm sure the Chargers are offering him a relatively fair deal. I would take it, stay, stay there, stay with your loaded offense, and just keep producing. And then if, if something goes bad there, a team will trade for you because your numbers are still going to be very, very good. So. Uh, I just this news has blown me away, man. Just stay there. You're on such a good offense to be on for my fantasy team. So you just got nowhere, nowhere <laughs> else you need to be right now. Uh, yeah, it's from from fantasy. It is it's it's bad news if he moves on. There's not really any. I don't think there's one team that he is more valuable on than the Los Angeles Chargers at this point from a fantasy perspective. So if you are an Austin Eckler dynasty owner or semi-keeper owner like my boy Cody, you really, really want him to stay put. Uh, but he has one year and $6.5 left on his deal. That's not a ton for an elite running back. I can see him. I understand why he's trying to leverage uh, himself to get paid right now. He's 28. He's not going to get a big deal next offseason being a 29 going into his 30-year-old season running back. So he's trying to leverage that into a decent contract right now. But uh, I think the only other team, the only other team, Cody, that he could maybe be more valuable than uh, – or not, let's say, let's say more, but at least maybe as valuable would be my Denver Broncos <laughs> offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who was uh, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers the past couple seasons, who have a young running back in Javante Williams who had a devastating knee injury. I don't know. I think that's the only place it makes sense, but I, I don't see the I don't see it really making sense from a cap perspective. I just think that the pieces kind of line up there. Uh, but yeah, if you're an Austin Eckler owner, you better be praying he stays in Los Angeles. If he goes to you know, the, uh, the Panthers or the Falcons or some, you know, some lesser team that could pay him. It's not going to work out well for, for fantasy. We will see, uh, on Eckler. I haven't seen any updates as of, as of yet, but let's move on to the last couple teams in the division because they've actually got some interesting talking points here, especially for fantasy. Uh, the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo setting the mid, you know, the, uh, the quarterback, uh, middle class. I, I heard that the other day. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting because there really isn't one. There's usually only, you know, the guys that get one or two year deals and then the guys that get paid. And Jimmy Garoppolo has kind of set the mid level here. Three years, 67 and a half million, 34 million guaranteed, uh, which most likely means they could get out of it after one year. So I think it's a good, good contract for both sides. Honestly, it makes a lot of sense. If the Raiders draft a quarterback, it's most likely going to be, you know, a developmental guy, Lev Levis or uh, Richardson. So I think he could stand whoever it is to sit behind Garoppolo for a year, and uh, you know they don't they don't break the bank here, and Garoppolo will be solid. Will operate uh, a Josh McDaniels led offense pretty well in my imagination. Uh, they have uh, Jacoby Myers, who they added as well uh, to this passing attack. Got rid of Darren Waller, kind of replaced him with Myers from a production standpoint. But you've got Renfro, you've got Adams, so I think Garoppolo will be just fine in this offense, and I think it kind of saves the fantasy value for, uh, you know, the Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro side of things, in my opinion. Yeah, I hope they they draft a quarterback with the seventh overall pick or they uh, or well, they trade up or whatever they have to do or they, they sign a really good backup because I don't know if Jimmy G's ever played a full season ever since he tore his ACL. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. Like you said, it kind of sits that sets that mid-level, which I feel like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is the perfect mid-level quarterback. So um, I, I don't hate it necessarily. It's just uh, I felt like going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, just it wasn't – I guess you're saving a little bit of money, but this just wasn't that exciting of a move necessarily, I'm sure. From, from a fan's perspective, you're not super excited you're rolling Jimmy G out there next year. No, you're not excited, but uh, the contract is much more manageable. Uh, again, I believe that they will be able to get out of this after next year if whatever quarterback they sign shows something, or uh, you know they just want to hit the reset button. Jimmy G gets hurt, whatever uh, you know, whatever happens. It's not a huge downgrade from Carr. And again, from fantasy perspective, I think this kind of settles you a little bit as far as Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and uh, you know. 
to a lesser extent, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers are concerned. Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to distribute the ball to his playmakers. We've seen that in San Francisco for a couple of years. So uh, I, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff by any means. And uh, again, this contract is not locking them into three years of Derek Carr like they would have had to with you know Derek Carr's contract. So I think it makes sense from both sides, in my opinion. Yep, I agree with you. Broncos are the last team on our list, Cody. We've made it to the end here, and we've actually got quite a bit to go over here, thankfully, for my boys. Yeah, talk about spending Made some money. Additions. They, they spent some money. They really did. Uh, but I like a lot of the moves they made. I think, uh, you know, leaves some room to be desired, but I trust in Sean Payton's uh, ability to build an offensive roster. He brought in a couple offensive linemen. One from the San Francisco 49ers, Mike McGlinchey, to a huge deal. Five years, $87.5 million, $50 million guaranteed for the right tackle. And then a guard, Ben Powers, from the Baltimore Ravens, four years, $52 million, $20.5 million guaranteed. Mike McGlinchey is a solid right tackle. Slight overpay here for sure, but he's 28. He'll be, uh, you know, he'll be a, a fine player on the right side for years to come. Uh, the, the Broncos have had, famously, a very tough time getting a decent right tackle lockdown. So McGlinchey is not one of the best in the league, but he'll do a serviceable job over there. Ben Powers, a little bit more of a home run swing. He was a great, great player for the Ravens last year, but really only one year of elite production. So I can, I hope he can keep that up. But uh, do you have any comments on the offensive line additions? I, I just like spending money on your offensive line. I, I appreciate where their priorities are. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton was on the herd with Colin Coward before he took the Broncos job, and they were just talking about you know NFL coach openings and stuff like that. And he's a very big advocate. Is you know this is a sport you need big boys and you need you need skilled big boys also. So agree more. Absolutely, he. I, I'm not surprised by these moves at all. Uh, ben, ben Powers, not gonna lie, don't know very much about. Mike McGlinchey, I do know a little bit more about just from a 49ers podcast I tune into. Um, they Basically, the way they described him, not a very good pass blocker. Um, at Really, they, they had nothing really good to say about him as a pass blocker. But, you know, um, they've also gone through quarterbacks left and right as a 49ers team. So they're, they're probably a little upset, you know, in regards to that. Uh, really good uh, run blocker, and I think he's played like almost almost every game or every game since he's been in the NFL. Very so he's there every single yeah. game. Which you know, if you're paying fifty million guaranteed to know your right tackle is going to be there for the next five years, you're you're living right. So I don't mind that whatsoever. Power is also a mauler, so clearly just the direction that Sean Payton wants to go here is establishing the run For and sure. building the rest of the offense off of that, which I can appreciate, especially with the way things went last year for the Broncos. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I I'd give the, I give both the signings a B, not an A plus, but. I do like where their priorities are. Uh, a couple other signings here for the Broncos. Zach Allen along the defensive line. He's basically a replacement for Jermont Jones, who we talked about earlier. He also played with Vance Joseph, who's our new defensive coordinator uh, in Arizona last year. So familiarity there. He's a solid player. Uh, most reactions I have seen are pretty positive on the contract. Again, kind of a B-plus signing. He's just a good player, not a great one, but again, did not get elite money. They also signed running back Samaj P. Ryan. I think this could be legitimately fantasy relevant. Obviously, Javante Williams most likely to miss the first uh, probably at least month of the season with the knee injury that he sustained. Uh, the Broncos will probably add another veteran running back at least. But P. Ryan, I think, showed really well whenever Mixon was out. I think he can fill in pretty capably and might be uh, you know a usable option for you in the first month of the year. Yeah, the running back I saw when Mixon was out was better than any of the running backs that was on the Broncos roster past Javante Williams last year. No so uh, we'll see if he takes a step back. I think he's a little bit older, maybe. I don't know. I don't even – maybe – actually, he might not be that old. He might just be kind of a service back. Hold that thought. He's 27. Yeah, not so bad. not terrible. I mean, you're kind of starting to get up there for, young, for a running back, but he's not been like the primary starter on any given NFL team, so he probably doesn't have as many you know hits on him and stuff like that. He's a baby so. compared to Latavius Murray. So. Yeah. yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. Latavius Murray is with Tom Brady right now. That's how old his body feels. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think this is a good pickup for him. If if Javante is only out a month to start the season, I think they're going to be pretty happy. I know news about him kind of goes up and down, uh, it seems like, as it comes out. So 
if it's a month, I feel like they're going to yeah. be pretty happy with that. Yeah, his knee injury did not seem uh, was not a clean ACL tear. There were some other ligaments damage there, so it will most likely be uh, a couple months, uh, you know, into training camp at the very least. And then he probably won't look like himself when he comes back either. This seems like a a J.K. Dobbins situation from last year, where it'll take him uh, quite a bit of time to get back up to speed. But uh, the last note I have here for the Broncos is uh, trading a wide receiver seems likely. Seems like again they have just moved their priorities as far as their cap goes so whether that's jerry judy or Cortland sutton we will see but they will most likely be moving on from one of their high paid wide receivers again i'm okay with it as long as uh their priorities are in line and i think they are so if you have to move on from Cortland sutton uh you get a draft pick get out from the cap uh you know cap spending i'm okay with it. yeah get rid of Cortland sutton that is the right wide receiver to get rid of jerry judy when Corlin Sutton's not there, and once Nate Hackett wasn't there for the last two weeks, very productive wide receiver. Uh, we are we are about to do the uh, top 20 wide receivers as we're kind of breaking down last year while talking about free agency at the same time. But uh, number 20 in points per game was actually Jerry Judy, and I've got some good stats about him today. So I think he, sh- as, as just someone looking at the raw stats, I think you want him to remain on the Broncos. I think he is clearly the better one out of the two for Russell and their team. Uh, so if I'm the Broncos, go go trade away Corlin Sutton to uh, anybody so they can release him Cowboys. and he can become a chief. Much appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, That is all we have for the free agency reaction thus far. We will, uh, again, probably touch on the rest of the the news that comes out in between now and our wide receiver pod. Uh, But we will talk to you guys soon. Cody, do you have any parting words for the people before we get out of here? Hey, like, comment, subscribe. hammer, Hammer the subscribe button. Make sure you tell everyone to subscribe, please. We are looking. I have been reviewing our numbers, and uh, we've actually gotten some decent numbers as of recently. So uh, make sure to share the podcast. Get those subscription numbers up. up. I kind of have a personal goal. I'm trying to get it up to for the month of March. So much appreciated on that front. Peace out, everybody. Have a great weekend. See you.